Amen. Well, we are in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. And as uh, you're turning there, uh, we're going to begin in verse 8. Uh, but I did want to uh, just explain to you what the message of God is for us today. As I mentioned in my prayer that uh, God has called each and every one of us to be a blessing. You and I have been called to be a blessing. And I know that sometimes we may ask, well, who are we to bless? And we are actually to bless everyone that you come in contact with. This is both for the family of God, and this is for those that are outside of the family of God. In other words, the non-believer. And so as we've been called to be a blessing, we may ask, why are we called to be a blessing to everyone else? And I want to give you some scriptures uh, as, we, as we read this, as we understand this. I do want to, you to know that as we have been blessed, as it tells us in Romans 4, 7 through 8, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. So in other words, we are blessed. And as God blesses us, he also gives us the responsibility of blessing others. And I want to read also one other scripture from Ephesians 1, 3. It says there that he has blessed us with every. And when we look at the word every, it means every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And as we see there, as we've been blessed, God's desire as he goes through his word today, as he's going to share with us through his glorious word that he wants us to bless others. And it is our responsibility to do that. And as we talk about blessing, it's important that we also understand what, is, what does bless mean? You know, blessed means to, to be happy, right? It means that uh, we've, we've been, we, we, that we are uh, uh, given a, a happiness, a, a fortune that can only come from God. And as we talk about blessing others, what does that mean? It means to bring this blessing, this happiness, this fortune upon another. See, as God gave it to us, He wants to give it to others. And so how is it that we are going to be a blessing to others? How is it that we can do this? And the Lord is going to give us today, He's going to give us the principles, the practical principles to bless others. And even in a hostile world in which we live in today. And with that, I want us to begin to read in verse 8. Let's, look, let's begin now. It says, Finally, all of you be of one mind. Having compassion for another, for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. You know, when we read this, or as Peter says here, finally, all of you. When we look at the word all of you, what is it that Peter is referring to? Who is it that he is referring to? He's referring to all Christians. It's just not a few. It's just not the select. It's all Christians, right? And we are to understand that if we call ourselves Christians, then this means that we are to do as he says. And we are to call to be this blessing. And the first thing that he tells us, he says to be of one mind. I'm going to give you 12 principles today from, this, from these verses as to how we can be a blessing to others. And he says we are all to be of one mind. 
what he's trying to say here is that we are to be like-minded. And when we think about this, we think to ourselves, you know, when he's talking to us as individuals, you know, we are to be like-minded. When we think about this, right, it's important that we are to have and to share the same values, the same values that Christ has. You know, we're all on the same team. As Christians, we are on the same team. And we are to be a blessing for others. I know as I think of teams, you know, when we think about this, when we think about playing for teams, I believe that many of us played in a team sport or you've been involved in some sort of team. And in that team, one of the qualities that came out of that team was that there was unity. And understanding how important unity is. See, because when you play together, you will win together if there is unity. And understand one thing about this unity or, ha- or doing things without unity. And here we're talking about the body of Christ. There's always going to be chaos and there's always going to be defeat. And this is why Mark tells us in Mark, I mean, uh, that the Lord tells us in Mark 3.25, that if a house is divided amongst itself, that house cannot stand. Understand that there cannot be division, there cannot be disunity in the house of God. And as Peter is reminding us today, that we are to be of one mind. And this is what Christ says and what he teaches. We must acknowledge the commonality of our faith. Our faith is in him. Our faith is in him. It is not in us. It is not in anything that we can do but in him. And then he tells us the second principle to be a blessing for others is to have compassion for one another. You know what? If you really want to bless someone, if you, want to, if you really want to bless others, we need to have compassion. We need to have sympathy. We have to have sympathetic hearts with those that have misfortune. And we know that there is much misfortune that is going on today, don't we? How many hardships are we experiencing today? I don't think any of us are absent from hardship or misfortune. And I want to give you an example. When we talk about this, when we think about having a compassionate or sympathetic heart for somebody else, you know, when someone comes to you and they share with you, you know what, I've just lost a loved one or, or I've, you know what, I've, been, I've come down with some sort of sickness or some sort of ailment. You know what, I don't think it would be compassionate of us if all we said was, don't worry about it. You know what, it's okay. You know what, it's important that we have compassion when it comes to these things. It's important that, that we begin to pray for one another, that we begin to express sympathy for one another. This is how you're going to be a blessing for others if you're cold. You know what? What kind of blessing are you? It is important that we begin to, to illustrate and to, and to live this out. And as we are told in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, that if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. So it's important that as God has exhorted us, you know, because we're one body. Remember, he told us that we're of one mind. And if we're of one mind and one body, then if one member suffers, we will suffer with him or her. 
And it's important that none of us fake compassion because that's so easy to do for people to fake compassion. And when people fake compassion, it isn't a good witness. It isn't very good for us to do this. It's not a good testimony. It's actually a bad testimony. We are to truly mean this. And many of us may say, but you know what? I don't have compassion. There's not much compassion in me for others. Well, you got to look deep down within your heart. And you got to ask the Lord to come in and to fill you with His compassion because He has so much compassion for others. And we are to have the same. The third principle in us being a blessing to others is, as he says there, love as brothers. The mark of a Christian is what? It is love, isn't it? This is how people know that we are Christians, by our love. And the world that we live in today, this world that we live in today lacks great love. We know that there is a great lack of love. And if we want to give out or we want to be a blessing to others, it's important that we give this love to others. See, God gave us something that we didn't have before. You and I didn't have this type of love before. And it's important that we understand that this love that, he, that, that, that we now have as believers, it's been imparted to us by Him. It's been given to us by Him. In Romans 5.5, 5, it tells us that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. See, this is the difference between us and others. Before, the only love that we had was mainly for our families, mainly for those that we truly cared about. But see, one thing about Christians is that now, you know what, even those that we don't know, there is a love for them as brothers. There is a love that is in our hearts that, you know what, that we didn't experience before, that we didn't know before. And we know that now that it's there, we know we don't understand how it got there, but we know according to the Word of God that He puts it in there. And this is one of the things that drew me to the Lord. You know what, when I saw how others were, how others loved people they didn't know, or when people met me, the love that they were giving to me, other Christians, it was something that was foreign to me. It was something that I hadn't experienced before. And coming into a church and seeing people, you know what, loving on each other, laughing and joking and hugging one another and hugging even strangers is what really ministered to me. Because I didn't see that before. When I would go into a, a church before, it would just be a shaking of hands. But this became more than a shaking of hands. You could sense the love that one has for one another and the hugging of one another. And we know that Jesus tells us, He tells us Himself that by this they will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, the world today is starving for love. Understand this. And love melts the coldest hearts. Know that. You will change people by the love that you give to others. And if you want to bless others, then we are to love another as brothers. And then the fourth principle that he gives us here. He says, if you want to be a blessing to others, you be tenderhearted. You know what? What does tenderhearted mean? It means to be soft-hearted. It means to be kind-hearted. It means to have a bleeding heart. 
Okay, and what does that mean? It means that, you know what, you're going to be sensitive to what others are going through. Very similar to having compassion, but it is also very different. See, when we look at the world today, there is so much bad news in the world, isn't there? When we look at what's happening in the world around us, even in our communities, even in this state, you know, we see that, you know what, that people's hearts are being hardened by the behavior, by what's going on in the world today. And so when we look at this, you know what, we as Christians are not to fall into that same hardness that the world displays. You know, we look at our world today, we look at in this country, you see for yourself, you know what, when you look at the unemployment that is happening in this country, you know, when you think to yourself, the millions of people that are without jobs today, you know what, when a brother comes to you and he tells you, hey, guess what, I just lost my job. You think to yourself, how appropriate would it be for us to say, hey, you know what, just suck it up, man. You've, you're just one of the other 31 million that have been laid off from their jobs. You know what, I don't think this is what the Lord would want from us. The Lord would want us to be tenderhearted, to be understanding, to be sensitive. And this is why in Galatians 6.2, where he tells us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Understand that you are a blessing when you encourage others and when you are tender-hearted to others. It is so important for us as Christians to be exercising this. The fifth principle that he gives us there in verse 8, he says to be courteous. And I know what, when we read this word, we always think of having manners, right? The manners that our parents taught us or, or that our teachers taught us. It's much more than this. I want you to understand that what Peter is saying here, what Peter is trying to tell us is to be humble-minded. Understand that. See, the foundation of being courteous is a humble spirit. See, a courteous man or woman will exemplify that if they are of humble-mindedness. And when we look at this, when you walk in humility, understand one thing. It is a blessing to others when you allow others to be first. See, there are many people that, I mean, it's a, it's a dog-eat-dog world. Dog-eat-dog world. And what I mean by that is you will go after whatever you can, right? And this is what the world teaches us today, doesn't it? Doesn't it say, you know what? Go for it. You get it before anyone else does. And you know what? The courteous spirit, the humble spirit is going to say, you know what? I'm going to let them be blessed before I get it. And if I get it, praise the Lord. And if not, then so be it. People are always watching. Understand this. I mean, when there are lines of gifts or, or free things, you know, who's the first one to run after it? See, these are the things that God wants to remind us. You know what? That it's not about being first, as he taught many times. It's about being a servant, being last. See, one thing that we know about the Lord, 
is that God resists a haughty spirit. He resists a prideful person, but he loves a humble spirit. See, God tells us that he can't resist a humble spirit. In other words, he can't resist a man, a woman of humility. He can't resist you. And know this, that others won't be able to either. See, they are drawn to you. They are drawn to you because of this humble-mindedness. See, the Lord tells us, and I want to give you the scripture in Proverbs 3.34, that he does resist the proud, but gives grace to the humble. See, and this also transfers to most people. See, people don't like to be around prideful people. What does pride build? It builds walls between others, right? But when we look at humility, it is always a bridge builder. Understand that. It always brings unity. It always draws people to you. But pride will always build barriers. It will build walls. And the Lord is saying, if you want to be a blessing, then let us walk in humility. Let's read in verse 9. It says, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. You know, the sixth principle that the Lord wants us to learn here, it begins there in verse 9. It says, do not repay evil for evil. How many of us, and you don't need to raise your hands, but how many of us struggle with this? You know what? When somebody hurts me, what do you want to do? You want to hurt them, right? That's just the way we are by nature. That's the people that we are. That's the way our hearts are. See, our flesh automatically wants to retaliate. It wants to hurt those that have hurt us. But see, when you repay evil with good, it ministers to people. It becomes a blessing because it is a blessing in action. And when we think about this, we know that in Christianity, as the Lord told us, and I want us to turn there, let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, he talks about not just loving those that love you, but he talks about loving those that hate you, that curse you, that persecute you. And it's in verse 43 of Matthew 5. And let's read that. It says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? See, what we have here is a complete radical teaching from Jesus. Something that 
we aren't used to. Something that before Christianity that many of us were not accustomed to or were not used to hearing. He's saying to do good to those that hate you. Imagine that. That's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? But see, this is what brings others to Christ. Because they see this difference in you. This is what makes you a blessing. This is what sets you apart from others. And we know that it may be hard for us, but we have the perfect example of Christ, don't we? Because even when we were sinners, didn't, doesn't the gospel say that He died for us? And it is true, right? Even when we rejected the Lord, even when we ridiculed the Lord, even when we wanted nothing to do with Him, He died for us. He died the penalty for our sins even when we wanted nothing to do with Him. And we know that apart from Christ, you can't do this. It is so difficult for us to do. You and I cannot love our enemies. You and I cannot do good to our enemies. You and I cannot pray for our enemies. This is why He gave you His Spirit, to do it for you, to help you as you yield to Him, to be able to live out this principle. See, there are many principles in this world when it comes to this. Principles that you may not be aware of. And I want to share that with you. When we talk about the principle of returning evil for good, there are people that no matter what good you do to them, they will pay you back with evil. And you know who is leading them to behave that way? That is satanic. That is the devil. Doesn't he bring evil upon us because we do good? See, and this is what he tells people to do. But there's also another principle. To return good for good and evil for evil. When we look at this principle, returning good for good and evil for evil, guess where this teaching comes from? This teaching comes from the world, doesn't it? This is what the world tells you. You know what? You only do good to those that do good to you. And you know what? If somebody hurts you, then you hurt them back. This is what is taught out there. But see, Jesus teaches something completely different from this. Something that, you know what, that only God can do and only God can teach. And this is why we know that this is the truth of the gospel. See, because no man could write this. Because a man would say, you know what, we repay evil for evil and good for good. But because this teaching is so radically different than what we're used to, we know that only God could have written this. And this is what the Lord teaches us. To return good for evil. And this would be a blessing for the world. If we go back to 1 Peter. In verse 9. The seventh principle to be a blessing for others. Is what he tells us there. He says, reviling for reviling. You know, when we look at this. Just because somebody reviles you. And what does revile mean? Revile means to give you a tongue lashing. Is basically what it is. 
This is somebody that mocks you, that talks bad about you, that ridicules you, that just, you know what, that just attacks you with his mouth. And so many of us, you know what, how many of us have been in arguments where somebody begins to attack us and we do what? We go back and do the same, don't we? We begin to give them the same tongue lashing that they gave us. I think we're used to that, aren't we? I think many of us are pros at this, aren't we? And God is saying, you know what? This isn't being a blessing to others. See, what kind of testimony are we if we do this? Do you know what the Word of God tells us? It's in Proverbs 15.1. It says, A soft answer turns away wrath. It is so contrary, right, to what we're used to. And this is what God, why God says that we're not like the world. We're so much different than the world. And this is what God is asking us to do. He's saying, you know what? I want you to give a soft answer or to give no answer. See, this is what God has called us to do. He told us if we look up to 1 Peter 2.23, Jesus gave us an example. He says, so who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return when he suffered? And we know the mockery that Jesus received, right? The abuse that he received. And he didn't revile in return. And many of us will say, but you know what? I can't do this. You know, when somebody argues with me, I got to give it back to them. I got to give them what they gave me. And you know what? This is all about pride. You know what? What we talked about previously, to be humble, to walk in humility. But see, when we think about this, I want you to understand one thing. Is that you will never be able to do this in your own strength. But this is why... The Lord gave us His Spirit to do it for us. And this is how we will be a blessing. And understand as we are going through these, that we are living in a dark world. We know that. You know what? We're living in a dark world that is in desperate need of light. We know that we're living in a dark world that is hopeless. We know that we're living in a dark world that is looking for love. This is a dark world. Understand that. And God has called us to be this blessing, to be the light in this world. And as we are a blessing to others, because we've been blessed, you know what? We're sharing the treasures of God. We're sharing the wealth of God. But what I love about this is what he says there in verse 9. He says, knowing that you were called to this. In other words, it's not an option. You and I were called to do these things. You and I were called to live out these principles. And what I love about this is that he also says that you may inherit a blessing. Did you know that when you do these things, there's a blessing that you're going to receive in return? This is what the Lord is saying here. And what is the blessing that we're going to receive in return let's read the next verses it says he who would love life and see good days let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit let him turn away from evil and do good let him seek peace and pursue it 
For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. What Peter, where Peter took these words from, it's from Psalm 34, verses 12 through 16. And what the psalmist was writing about here is he's saying, who would love life? What he's saying is that whoever lives out these principles is going to have a love for life. And you will see good days. See, one thing we know about the Lord is he has promised us good days. But when we walk in this world, we know that not every day is good, is it? But understand this and live on this promise and rest on this promise and in this hope that God turns all things together for good to those that love him to those that are called according to His purposes. See, as Christians, as Christians, you church, and this includes me, we are to have a love for life. Understand that others can see it and they will sense it. See, if you are always moping and upset with what life has brought you, Understand this, that you're not going to be a blessing for others. You're not going to be a testimony for others. See, God has filled us with His Spirit. God has filled us with His love, with His joy. He's given us so much as we talked about every spiritual blessing that comes from the heavenly places. We should not be hating life. None of us should be hating life. The fact that we are here and the fact that we have been promised eternal life should have us loving life. It should have us having a joy like no other. When we look at this, there is an easy thing for us to do, to say, well, you know what, then that means I'm going to love this world. See, God is very clear on this. The Lord tells us that we are not to love the world or the things of this world. He is telling us here that we should, that He would love life. See, we are to love life. And why are we to love life? Because God represents life. Understand that He is the giver of life. And we are to love life. And this is what We are reminded by the psalmist and by Peter. The eighth principle I want you to know, as we are to be a blessing for others, is that we are to reframe our tongue from evil and our lips from speaking deceit. You know, if we want to be a blessing for others, understand one thing, that you must understand the power of your tongue. You know, your tongue is extremely powerful. Your tongue can either bring life or your tongue can either bring death. The Bible tells us in James 3.8, he says that no man can tame the tongue. Can you believe that? That there is not one man that can tame the tongue. So who is it that's going to tame our tongue? The one that can tame the tongue is God, and only God. See, God can change 
the wicked trash that comes out of our mouth. God can change the lies and the deceit that our tongue speaks. Only God can do this. No man can tame it. And this is why he tells us to let him reframe his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. The ninth principle that he tells us is in verse 11. Turn away from evil and do good. You know what? I truly believe that the world struggles with this on a daily basis. They struggle with doing what is right. See, we know that their conscience and the Spirit of God is convicting them of what is right, but they just can't do it. We know that the world cannot turn away from evil and do good. Otherwise, we wouldn't see what we see today. See, and what we read here is that the tenth principle is that as Christians, if you want to be a blessing to others, you are to seek peace. You know, this is, there, there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to this. See, you and I live in a world that promotes war. How many of you have heard, and you could show me a raise of hands here. How many of you have heard of the U.S. consulates in the Middle East that have been burned, I have been, I'm sorry, destroyed, and the American flags that have been burned. Did you know that this is going on right now in the Middle East? There is a film that went out that talked about Allah and their faith. And because of this, they have retaliated with taking lives, destroying our U.S. embassies, and burning our flags. See, there are four people that have died right now because of this. See, in the world that we live in, understand one thing. You may be blinded to the fact that the world loves war. But we as Christians are to seek peace. And what do I mean by this? Because, see, many of us get very confused with this. See, in Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers. What does this mean? It means that you, as a Christian, are not to create problems and wars with others. That's what it means. It means that you are not the one to be instigating problems. You are not the one to be instigating wars. We have the people of this world. You have those that are led, not by God, but by the devil to take lives, to create wars. But us as Christians, may this not be our hearts. How can we be a blessing to others if all we want to do is cause war? And as we move forward, what verse 12 tells us, that if you live out these principles, it reveals that his eyes are on you and his ears are listening to you. You know what? This scripture gives me great comfort in knowing that the Almighty God himself is watching and listening to me. Aren't we blessed to know that 
God actually will listen and watch us. I think we should all have great comfort in this. Knowing that, you know what, you are the apple of his eye. That he can't take his eyes off of you. That he can't stop hearing your needs, your prayers, your intercessions. See, God watches us because he loves you. It's just like you when you watch your child. You watch them because you love them. You watch them because you want to protect them. You watch them because you want to hold them in your loving arms. And you want nothing to happen to them. See, the Lord, for us, as we are a blessing to others, He hears, He answers our prayers according to His perfect will. But we're going to get into another teaching here when it comes to being a blessing for others. Because see, even though we're a blessing for others, it doesn't mean that they're not going to come against you. See, I want us to understand that this good day that Peter was referring to, it doesn't promise us a life that is absent from troubles, from problems, from sickness, from tears, from broken hearts. But what he talks about, a good day, it is a day and every day will be a day that you have God's help, God's intervention, and God's blessing. And this is what Peter wants us to know. See, when we, are wrong, when we are weak, when we are persecuted, when we are mocked, when we are hated, when we are troubled, understand one thing, that God is strong, that God is gracious, that God is merciful, and most of all, that God is with us. And He is watching us, and He is hearing us. See, you and I have never been promised according to the word of God, a trouble-free life. This is false teaching. These are, this is the teaching that goes to itching ears. These are the teachings that you could turn on on TBN, and they will give it to you 24-7. But this isn't the truth of the gospel. See, we need to understand that even though we've been promised a wonderful life, it will never be trouble-free. See, a life that we've been promised is a life that is filled with His presence. And understand that. I want to read to you what the psalmist said, and it's a beautiful psalm. This is one of my wonderful psalms. It's from 84, verse 10. It says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Psalm 84.10 reveals this. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your courts. I'm going to leave that song for my wife. I don't have a voice, but she does. And as we keep reading, I want us to now understand this teaching that Peter has for us. In verse 13, it goes on to read, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should su suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Again, we have this word that you are blessed. 
See, the Spirit of God through Peter wants to remind us that even though we are a blessing to others, even though we live out these Christian principles, that we may suffer for it. See, this is what Paul told us as he wrote the letter to 2 Timothy 3.12. And listen to this clearly. Meditate and ponder on this. He says, yes, and all who desire to live godly, all who desire to live godly, to live out these principles, to be a blessing for others in Christ Jesus, will suffer persecution. We will suffer persecution because of this goodness. Remember what I told you about the principle from Satan? That he will repay good with evil. This is who leads him to do this. And this is what Peter is reminding us about. See, our battle is not with flesh and blood. But it is with the powers of darkness, the spiritual hosts of wickedness. And they will come against you because you live out godly principles. People don't like to see them, right? People are convicted because of what you live as a Christian. And understand that you will suffer because of this. But I love what God is telling us today. He's telling us, don't be afraid or be troubled by this. Why are we not to be afraid or be troubled by this? Because He shared with us in 12, verse 12. Because I am with you. See, in Psalm 23, 4, and many of us know this beautiful Psalm 23, right? But I want to read to you just one verse in verse 4. And it says, Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. For us. He's reminding us today not to fear but to know, as he said there, that you are blessed if you suffer for doing what is good. I'm going to give you something that is not so bright, but it's important that we understand that. Because I never want to mislead you or, or teach you something that doesn't forewarn you. When it comes to the church, I want you to understand one thing. Things do not look so bright. Understand this. There is much persecution towards the church, and it is coming. It's going to be greater than what you see today. The persecution that is coming against the church will continue to increase. It will get worse. But God is telling us through His Word not to fear. And why? And what does he instruct us? He gives us the but in verse 15. He says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with, with meekness and fear. Sanctify the Lord in your hearts. What does this mean? To sanctify means to set apart, right? This is what this means. It means to set apart. This is what holiness means. This is what sanctification means. What it's trying to tell us is to hold the Lord in your hearts. To set Him apart in your hearts. To let Him be your rock, your strength, your power, 
your protector, your deliverer. And when you sanctify Christ in your heart, you will not fear man and you will not fear circumstances. Because for when you are weak, he is strong. Who just heard of the Iranian pastor, the Christian pastor who was released from the Iranian prison that just happened three, that he was in prison for three years. It just happened these past, last week. Did anybody hear about this Iranian Christian pastor? Did you know that he was released because of his faith in Jesus Christ? Did you know that he would not renounce his faith for the Lord? During those three times, I mean, during those three years, what was he doing? You know what? He was being a witness for others. He was standing strong. He didn't say, you know what, Lord, I give up. I can't take it. He was willing to give his life for Jesus Christ. See, he was being a witness for the power of God. He was giving what? A defense to everyone who asked for the hope, for the reason that is in him. Why does he do this? Because of his love and his faith for God. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy. And this will give you hope. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17. This is what Paul wrote at the end of his life. This is right before Paul would be martyred. And this is what he says. He talks about the faithfulness of the Lord. He says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lions and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. What we have here is the preaching of the hope that was in Paul. And this is the same for us. You know, I pray that none of us will, say, will, will face such severe persecution. But it's a possibility that we will. And as we know, as things get worse, we know that the church will face this. But be of good cheer, because it is the Lord that delivered him. Out of the mouth of the lion. The Lord that delivered him out of every evil work. And it is the same for us. I want to give you principle number 11. Back to 1 Peter. As he says there, to be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you. This is the principle. If you want to be a blessing... Share your faith. You and I need to be able to give a defense of our faith. God will put us in opportunities to do this. And people will be blessed by your words. But we must also put them into action. And this is what he means with meekness and with fear. This is the 12th principle. That your actions must be backed up. That your words must be backed up with your actions. When he talks about a meekness and fear, what he's talking about there is meekness with respect. 
See, we are to walk in humility and in respect of others. Because, see, God has given them life, and we respect life. See, we have other religions, and I'm going to share this with you. You have other religions today, just like this Iranian pastor that came out. They will force you to convert to their religion by force, not in meekness and humility. See, we have a greater testimony because God doesn't force anybody to come to him. But those religions will do it by force. You have no decision in it. Either you surrender to their faith or you will be killed. But when it comes to Christianity, see, we come willingly and we come by choice. And this is why it is real. And as we keep reading in verse 16, it says, Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. You and I in Christ have a good conscience, don't we? Even though people say negative things about us, even though people lie about us, ridicule us, mock us for our faith and our hope in Christ, we have a good conscience, don't we? Because we know the truth, we know our behavior, we know what we do. But let's talk about your BC days. Remember those days? How many of you had a good conscience in those days? I don't think any of us did, right? How many of you woke up with regrets because of your behavior? How many of you woke up shameful thinking, how could I do that? How embarrassing. I feel so horrible. Or some of you maybe woke up not remembering what you did the next day and you're like, oh no, what happened? I know my conscience isn't good because I know I did things I shouldn't have done. But that's no more. That's gone. See, we don't live like we used to. And now when we live out godly principles, you will not have a bad conscience. And this is why Peter reminds us that now we have a good conscience. That even though they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ Jesus may be ashamed. They will be ashamed. Believe me, even though your behavior is good and they're saying evil things about you, deep down inside and in their heart and, and, and their mind and in their heart, they're shamed. They're shamed about their lies, but they're just doing it because they're led by a different spirit than we have. And we will finish this in verse 17. It says, For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for go doing good than for doing evil. It is always better to be a blessing to others by doing good. And if it's God's will, is what Peter's saying, that we suffer for it, then so be it. I would rather suffer for him than to suffer for my mistakes. I would rather have a good conscience and suffer for it versus to suffer for a bad conscience and for doing evil. See, it is always better to be a blessing. And we know this, that God has exhorted us to be a blessing to others. So as we leave this place, 
This is what Christ is asking us to do. The things, the 12 principles that I gave you is what he wants you to live out. You've been blessed. You are so rich in Christ. Little do you know it, but you are so rich in Christ. Go out and give these riches to others. Be a blessing to others. If you can't be a blessing, because in ourselves we can't, but understand that Christ can do it through you. It's always important to know that. See, because we as people, sometimes we struggle with this. We're always saying, I want to do it. I want to be this blessing. I want to behave this way. But understand that in your strength, you can never do it. This is why God has given you his power, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, to live out these principles. And the only way to live out these principles is to yield to the Spirit of God. And in order to yield to the Spirit of God, you first have to receive the Spirit of God. And the only way to receive the Spirit of God is when we surrender to Jesus Christ. And with that, we will close. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you, Lord, for, for today, Lord, the exhortation, Lord, that we have all been called to be a blessing to others, Lord. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing from the heavenly places. We are blessed because we are forgiven. We are so blessed, Lord. Lord, may you just come out of us, Lord. May your radiance, may your sweet-smelling aroma come out of us, Lord. Help us to be these blessings, Lord. Remind us to yield to your spirit and not to our flesh. Because our flesh is so contrary to doing these principles that you laid out. Lord, I pray for every one of us, Lord. As we heard these 12 principles, Lord. That we would live them out. As you exhorted us, you told us that you have called us to do these things. You haven't just given them as an option but you have called us to live in this manner. May we live this way, Lord. May we bring glory and honor to your name. May we magnify you so that others can see the difference in us. Help us always to give a defense for the hope that is within us. Help us to be a people that can talk about you to talk about who you are what you've done the truth that you've given us Lord you never said that we are to keep these things to ourselves your word tells us to share it with others to make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them the things that you have taught us. If there's anyone here, if there's anyone here that, first of all, wants to give their lives to Jesus Christ, 
We give you this option. God gives you this choice. You can freely do it. He doesn't force you. And if you want to do this, then raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anybody wanting to do this? Amen, amen, amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Lord, you saw these hands that went up, Lord. Lord, they first of all want to receive you, Lord. As their Lord and Savior. They've invited you in, Lord. You knocked on the door and they opened the door of their heart to allow you to come in and to dwell with them, Lord. Lord, by your spirit, may you just continue to teach them these things to live out. May you continue to empower them to live out lives that are pleasing to you. I also want to throw this out. I know that many of us struggle with some of these principles. And I want to give this opportunity to all of you. For those that need just to humble themselves before the Lord and say, do it through me, Lord. I can't do it, but you do it through, through me. If you want to yield your heart and submit yourself to him and to this, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Amen, 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 amen. Lord, you see all these hands that went up, Lord. Lord, we all want to be a blessing to others, Lord. We want to inherit the blessing that you gave us, Lord, which is to be in your presence, to be the apple of your eye, Lord. Lord, we want this, Lord, and we can't do it without you. So I just pray now as you saw us humble ourselves before you, and that includes me, that you would just be merciful and gracious and empower us by your spirit. Help us to be a people that yield to your spirit and to live out these principles. So we just want to thank you, Lord. We give you praise, glory, and honor, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.